Luke chapter 7. Pick up in verse 18. Now, I greatly apologize if I pull this up too high and you can't see me. Oliver told me last week, like, we couldn't see your face. So I don't know if you can see my face right now or, or, or not uh, from the back, but um, I am uh, at that age of 40 where you're, you're reading, I'm still trying to figure out my eyes right now. So uh, so I ask your forgiveness if I if I do that, but I uh, I very much need it closer to me. Uh, so that I can I can read and and uh, not struggle. So we've prayed and we've asked the Lord to bless us uh, as we as we study this morning. So we're going to pick up and uh, where we left off. So uh, on it was Sunday night the last time I taught. Uh, we we covered a few things. Now now last Sunday uh, we had talked about uh, a tree being known by its fruit. So we discussed that, and if you just kind of turn back to Luke six, you can kind of see where we where we ended off. But um, and and being built upon the rock of Christ, and the, the the importance of having Christ as our foundation. Without a foundation, when the storm hits and and the floodwaters come, there goes our lives. There goes. And he was using a parable as uh, as a building falling, and it's the same with our lives. If we don't have a foundation, we talked about you know, anybody who has a background in engineering. Uh, in building anything, you have to have uh, something to build off of. You have to have a foundation. And our foundation in our lives uh, is Christ and needs to be Christ. So uh, then we uh, we discussed uh, Sunday night uh, uh, the Lord healing the centurion's servant. And, uh, and we also looked at uh, Jesus raising the uh, son of the widow of Nain. And uh, how the Lord ministered to both of those, and it was it was a great study that uh, that uh, I was blessed by and, and to go through. So the Lord is is ministering. He's he's in his uh, three three years of of ministry as we're going through this. And uh, here at Calvary Chapel, we usually uh, have a have a book that we're studying or, or going straight through the scripture. And for me, when I'm filling in, the Lord has led me to just uh, just keep going through Luke. So we're going to pick up in Luke seven uh, seven verse eighteen. 7 verse 18 says, Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And at that very hour, he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And when his, his messengers, the messengers of John, had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John, and we'll, we'll pick up from right there. So what we're looking at is John the Baptist. If you're not familiar with John the Baptist, I, I would like to uh, just hold your spot here. I promise we're not going to do a whole lot of jumping around this morning. Uh, but uh, I would like to turn to Matthew chapter 3, please. If you've if you've been walking with the Lord for for many years or, or recently started, whatever it is. You may be familiar with John the Baptist. If you're not, we're going to uh, look at, at this as a reminder of who he was. And uh, if you're uh, just getting introduced to John the Baptist, you're going to learn this was a different guy. 
John the Baptist wasn't uh, just a guy when you'd think, uh, a lot of people think of a, of a biblical character or somebody that's known as a man of God. Uh, there are going to be people that come from many different backgrounds. Me coming from a Catholic background, I had a, a, a different uh, mindset coming into my relationship with Christ than somebody who uh, may have had an atheist background or you know some other some other uh, background. So uh, it's important for us to understand the Scripture, understand uh, the the men and women that are are that God used uh, in the Scripture and and to write the Scripture and uh, uses as examples for us that we can see. So understanding who John is, is is an important thing for us in our walk with the Lord and uh, and what his purpose was. Now, uh, we're going to look here in, in Matthew chapter 3, and we're, we're going to read this. It's a very quick chapter, but we're going to read it and just get an understanding of his ministry and who he was. And, uh, and as a reminder, being able to look back and say, Okay, and now I understand who this guy is and who, where he came from, and and you know, very non-traditional life. You know, it's not often that somebody lives uh, in the woods and has camel hair as their as their clothes and eats bugs. That's not that's that's not the normal person's life. But we're going to understand he's he, of who he is, and uh, and and looking at his background before we we go back to Luke chapter seven. Uh, just in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's John's ministry was to point to Jesus, and we're going to see that. And his his what he's explaining here is repent, that change, change of direction. There has to be a U-turn in a man or woman's life, uh, young child also, whoever it is, when, when, when we're presented the truth uh there's the decision that needs to be made to ask and uh, ask christ for forgiveness and to trust him for the forgiveness of our sins but also that confession of sin and the repentance from that sin to turn in the other direction so he, he's he's his his ministry was was that of preaching and and baptizing verse three says for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet isaiah saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make his path straight this is an important guy. He's somebody that, that the Lord had spoke to uh, the children of Israel through the prophet Isaiah, one of the major prophets. of. The, so when hearing his name, it would when we're looking at John the Baptist and the question he's asking Jesus saying, are you the coming one? We have to understand who this man is. And, and then that's going to tell us a little bit more of the importance of his question and how what, what's What's uh, the story behind his question? What, what is he asking? Verse 4 says, Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Now, when I get hungry, I don't think of you know, grasshopper-like uh, beings and, uh, and wild honey. Usually it has something to do with uh, some sort of steak or other dead animal cooked to perfection. My wife is an awesome cook. And, uh, and uh, so I'm usually blessed by that. I usually don't say I can't wait for a whole plate full of locusts and uh, a little bit of honey on the side. Verse 5, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the, re uh, all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. 
And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Not necessarily a uh, loving message to the Pharisees. Call them sons of snakes, saying, wait, who, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He's confronting the Pharisees because they're keeping people from coming to the Lord. And they themselves, as we read here, are rejecting the Lord, the will of the Lord. And we're going to see that as we study in Luke chapter 7. John the Baptist was a man uh, that he didn't live a plush and delicate life. He wasn't, he wasn't somebody that... Uh, that uh, the religious leaders would look at and go, well, there's a man of God. They looked at him as a crazy guy that lived out in the woods that ate bugs and, and, and had camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. But I know that they, uh, they're, uh, in their hearts, are convicted by his message. So they're rejecting, and we see that, that when we see in uh, Luke chapter 7 that they're rejecting the will of God. So verse 13 says, Then Jesus came... From Galilee to John, we're still in uh, Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be, to be so now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had baptized him, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist was a man that was used mightily by the Lord, that baptized Jesus Christ, but baptized God the Son. John the Baptist, when he sends out his disciples, is in, pres in prison for confronting Herod on his uh, improper marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife. And uh, we won't spend uh, time uh, looking into there, but he's, he's in prison at this point. So as a believer, uh, there, uh, there can be a time that we are uh, confronted in our faith that we that we are going to have to make a stand for Christ, and this man did, and and will will understand. And, and, and if you're familiar with uh, the story of John the Baptist, John the Baptist lost his life because of that same message, telling Herod it's not lawful for you to have her as as your wife. And Herod's wife couldn't stand it anymore. sends uh, sets up this whole plan of hey. You know, I've got an attractive young daughter. I'm going to have her go in and uh, dance inappropriately between, you know, in front of uh, my husband and all of his dignitaries that are there visiting. And then uh, eventually there's the promise made of whatever you want up to half my kingdom. What do you want? And her, she looks at him and says, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter being prompted by her husband, to, uh, by her mother to ask for that. This man was willing to uh, to confront if he if need be, and he did often. Uh, religious leaders that were uh, preventing other people. God bless you guys. Love you. 
to confront. And it cost him his life, but as he's in prison, he has a question. Now, if you look back in, into who, uh, further into who the, John the Baptist was, you have to look at his father, Zacharias, and his, his, his mother, Elizabeth, who was barren. They're both in their old age and uh, not able to have children, and Gabriel visits them. And John, uh, sorry, um, Zacharias is talking with, uh, with Gabriel, and as they're talking, uh, there's an unbelieving heart in Zacharias. And Gabriel says, I am Gabriel who stands before God. And then Gabriel starts to explain to him, your tongue's going to be tied up until the birth of the child. And so what ends up happening is he's not able to speak when he comes out of, uh, when he comes out of the, um, out of the tent and everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. And for the remainder of the, uh, from that time, uh, throughout the pregnancy, he's not able to speak until the baby is, is meant to be born. And when the baby's born, everybody's asking Elizabeth, what's his name going to be? And she said, his name is John. And they say, well, there's nobody in your family who's, you know, to keep that namesake. Why would you say that? And then uh, they, they give uh, Zacharias a tablet and he writes his name as John. And as he does, he's able to, his tongue is loose and he, he proclaims uh, and he prophesies and he proclaims uh, praise of God at that point. And he, he, what he does is he speaks that he knows what the, the purpose and the will of God is for his son, John the Baptist. And it wasn't one of delicacy and uh, uh, living in, uh, in comfort. Uh, this, this man was called to something great. And uh, as we're going to see as we turn back to Luke chapter 7, that, uh, that Jesus explains a little bit more of John. So I wanted to spend some time... So that we understand where this man is coming from. He's now in prison for being obedient to the will of God. He's, he's obedient to the will of God, but he is in prison. So he sends his disciples and they go and they ask, are you, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now, John knew who Jesus Christ was. But John was expecting that Jesus was coming to rule and to reign, that, that, the, that the kingdom of God was going to be established. And Jesus' response to him, as he says, uh, it says in verse 21, that at that very hour he cured many infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And then he says to them, he answered and said to them, it says, Go and tell John the things you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended of me. Uh, Micah 5, 2, I'm just going to uh, quote it to you. In uh, the Lord, uh, speaking of Bethlehem uh, uh, through uh, Micah, and that though Bethlehem was little, out of, uh, out of you shall come forth to me, the one uh, to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. John is thinking the kingdom's being established. Am I, am I getting out of prison now? Is, is Because being in prison isn't like what we have today. If, if you look back 2,000 years ago, it's a cold, dark, torturous place to be. And John is there, no doubt, uh, not comfortable. I mean, we don't, they didn't have cable, TV, and I'm not saying prison's a great and easy place to be, even here in these days. But it's not like, I mean, many times just a cold, dark dungeon. That's a, that's an, that's a rough place to be. Now think of who John is. He's somebody who's always had his freedom. He's an outdoorsman. You know, anybody, I know several of us here uh, love, love to be outside. Uh, I, I will go stir crazy if I'm inside. Now, in a prison 2,000 years ago, 
that's a different type of uh, of confinement. So he's 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 one. Are you the coming one? Are, is is everything going to be established? Is is the kingdom is 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 the kingdom of God going to be established now? And what Jesus is explaining to him is that his first coming is to be here to seek and save that which was lost. A plain, or to proclaim liberty to the captives, to seek and save uh, that which was lost, um, heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came uh, to save sinners. We know that he is coming back, and he will establish his kingdom at that point. At this point, was it wasn't uh, to be so at this point. So uh, that's Jesus' response. That's his response. He doesn't say, I know that John might be having some struggles. I know that he's going through a lot right now. I know that his life is on the line. Uh, his response is, this is the ministry I'm doing. And Jesus points to his ministry uh, and showing them him, yes, I am the coming one. And you're going to understand that. And, and no doubt John did at that point when, when the message got back to him. But we can also be in a time where we're wondering, what? Is everything kind of lining up the way? And and the Lord isn't isn't confined to what we think uh, He needs to do, or or what we believe is going to happen. The Lord is uh, the Lord, and He decides what He wants to do. And and uh, so we may have some misconceptions. We may uh, believe that the Lord is doing X in our life, uh, but He's also but He's He's really doing this in our lives. And I, I know I've shared this before, but. Um, I, uh, I apologize for uh, for repeating it, but uh, when I when I joined the military back in, in 1998, I um, I had joined uh, to be in uh, security forces in the career field of security forces, which I had two buddies that were serving. And I was like, cool, the three of us can can do the same job together, and and I was really excited. And uh, I, I I went away to basic training, and while I was in basic training down in San Antonio, Texas. I, uh, I hadn't. You have sp specific uh, appointments with people just as you're built, as you're starting your career out. And one of them was called a classification interview, and uh, and that's when they look and they make sure that your qualifications, your your test scores, your physical results, your hearing, your eyesight, all that stuff match up with the job that you chose. Now, mine did on paper, but when you look at the scores on on my hearing, my hearing wasn't correct, and uh, so it was kind of one of those. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't marked correctly my hearing should have been a different grade than what it was. Uh, one, you know, I, 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 you have the highest grade and then you have another one under that. Mine was the one under that for my hearing. So, uh, yes, I do have some selective hearing, my wife will tell you, but uh, this, was, this was actually, you know, my physical uh, ability to hear and my ability to hear did not qualify. So they reclassified my hearing after giving me another test just to make sure. And at that point, they say, hey, because we can't keep the promise to you of which job that you that you you came in, you have the opportunity to go home or you can uh, stay here and and choose a new job. So I called back here uh, to my unit and I'm like, hey, I, uh, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm brand new to the military. You're scared to talk to anybody in basic training. So uh, and I'm, I'm trying to figure this all out. And I had a friend there. He's like, hey, man, all the bad stuff. We've, we've already been through the bad, the bad, you know, first couple weeks. Things are going good. You've got a bunch of buddies here. Finish this out. Don't give up. Because I had the opportunity to go home at that point. And, you know, when you start thinking of the couch and, you know, coming back to, hey, I don't, I'm not going to get yelled at. and I'm not going to be scared to walk down the road and, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but uh, but the Lord sustained me and kept me there. And I, I, uh, I was able to come home and choose a new job. I uh, chose a new job, and I uh, went away to training down in Mississippi. When I got down there, uh, 
when you leave a training environment, you know, a training environment is very structured, and you don't have a lot of time to be able to uh, kind of do what you want and, and freedoms. And so uh, while I'm down there, I'm, I'm getting that shock to my system because I came home for two months. Usually you go to basic training, go straight on to technical training. And I came home, and I was living with two buddies and got to relax for two months. And then I get down there, and I'm like, ah, do I have my uniform, which the air airline did lose. So my first day down there, getting back there, is I don't have my uniform. So I couldn't eat for like two days. Uh, and uh, then finally I get my uniform. I go to class, and as I'm sitting in class, I look to my left, and uh, that woman right over there is in my class. And and uh, I, I obviously was – I looked at her way out of my league and, uh, and, uh, but you know, we, we ended up talking and then, uh, the Lord, uh, the Lord had something different planned for my life. I thought when I was in basic training and that I was not going to be doing security forces that, well, well what am I, what's, what's the foundation of my life going to be? And, uh, you know, what, what's God doing in my life? And I will confess that I, uh, I had accepted the Lord and, and, uh, was a brand new Christian, um, walk in with the Lord. And, uh, and there was a, still a lot wrong on my life at that time. And, uh, and, uh, but the Lord in his grace and mercy was still uh, protecting me and, and, and walking me through life. But, uh, I got to a point where I didn't know what life, what was going to happen, but here we are uh, 21 years almost, uh, of marriage. We've got beautiful kids and everything. It's all because of something that I, that went wrong in my life. I wasn't in a prison 2000 years ago, uh, down in a dungeon, uh, about to have my head removed from my shoulders, you know, but in my life, I went through something going, well, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. You know, John uh, is in a, in a much more uh, dire situation and he's got everything on the line and he's not seeing what he thought was going to be happening. The kingdom set up, you know, and, and Jesus Christ coming to rule and reign. And what the Lord is saying is that he came the first time to die. So in our lives, we can get to a point of questioning, you know, who God is. Like, you know, what do we have? You know, he, this, this man actually heard the voice of God. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he had a lot of information to process. But his circumstances had him in a point where he's going, what? I, I don't know what's happening. And Jesus' response of let John know what's happening here. And no doubt the Lord ministered and and uh, and and John nods his head when when everybody came in and no doubt blessed. We don't hear John speaking any further because uh, we know that he lost his head uh, for being obedient to the word of God. Verse 24, when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What do you, what did you see go out into the wilderness? Oh, sorry. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury uh, are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of, of God is greater than he. Now, what we just read is pretty potent. 
looking at the end of verse 28, before we get there, we're going to back up a little bit. Jesus is saying to everybody there, and he says, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaking? You didn't go out in the wilderness just to see, see reeds. You didn't go out to see um, a man in soft garments. Everybody knew who John the Baptist was. And Jesus is like, you didn't go out there to see somebody in, in priestly and kingly robes and uh, living a plush life. What did you go out to see? A prophet. He said, you went out to see a prophet. And then Jesus goes on to explain who he is. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way for you, quoting Isaiah 40, verse 3. For I say to you that among men born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. That's a statement. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah, I mean, Malachi, you go through all of those, all those prophets that, that we read of in the Old Testament. John is the example of uh, somebody. And, and what Jesus is saying is he was the greatest prophet. John the Baptist is the greatest prophet of all of them. That same prophet was the one that was in prison saying, are you the coming one do we, or do we wait for another? So that man, his, his mission was just to prepare the way of the Lord, and he did. But I want to look at the end of verse 28. It says, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That relationship of the Old Testament that is uh, based on the law versus the, uh, the, the New Testament relationship with God that's based on his grace and his mercy. We can read in Ephesians that uh, we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we would boast. And we, and we do boast, uh, you know, maybe in our hearts, way not with our lips, of the good things that we do and think that we earn uh, favor with God. But we earn favor with God by his grace and his mercy. Grace, that unmerited favor, that mercy not getting what we deserve, that's how the Lord ministers to us. Not because we've done this good thing or that bad thing or whatever it is. It's God's grace and mercy. We should be walking in obedience that we would be in a right relationship with him. But that 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 Old Testament relationship uh, where uh, it's based on the law versus the New Testament where it's based on God's love. You know, do we really understand how I, I was just thinking uh, this morning, uh, Oliver and I were talking and just there was at some point uh, in our discussion, just in my head. Do we really understood how stand how good we have it? Here's a man that lost his life for being obedient to the word of God and called uh, the greatest prophet. But it says here that he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. The difference of blessing between the law, the Old Testament law, and the New Testament that's based on love, that new covenant with God that's based on his love and his grace and his mercy. That's an amazing thing. Stop to think. When you leave here today and tonight, whatever, think about that, about who the John, uh, who John the Baptist was. And he's called the greatest prophet of, of all. No no other uh, man born, born from woman that was greater than him. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is under God's new law. That's an amazing thing to think of. That's a powerful thing for us to chew on, that he was least in the kingdom. It's, it, it, that's, it blows my mind. It honestly does. I, I, I don't know that I can comprehend it. Um, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, it just, it, it's, just, it's not making sense in my mind. But I, I just, it's something to chew on. It's something that 
that this, when you, when you think of that, because we think of things based on our own merit and we think of things based on, well, he did, he did more than I did. So, so, so then we start going, our God's, our God's blessings and our, 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 our God's rewards based on our, our goodness. We are going to be blessed. We are, uh, by his grace and mercy, uh, if we've trusted in him for forgiveness of our sins, going to hear, well done, a good, a good and faithful servant. But it's important for us to understand how great his love for us is. When we can read a verse like 28, we could read right over that. Go back and study it. Go back and dig into it. Because it's going to blow our minds. He who is least. I mean, think of the Old Testament prophets. I mean, having to lay on their side for years and then turn over and lay over on the other side. Some of, the, some of those things that we can go, wow, that person was dedicated to the Lord. And then the Lord flips our understanding right upside down and says, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow. That's a powerful thing. So I just encourage you to pray about that and study it yourself. Verse 29 says, and when all the prophets heard him, even the tax collector, sorry, when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But... So there's a word of contrast there in verse uh, verse 30. But the, pro the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. We talked about that earlier, them rejecting the will of God for them, their own lives, for themselves, rejecting the word. There's a blessing in belief, and, and, and rejecting his will uh, is not on the— I'd rather be on the blessing side of God than on the rejection side. We can see in the scripture what the rejection results in. The rejection of God results in an eternal separation from him in hell. That is hell, a place of darkness and torment, that we are separated from God is the worst part of it. I've heard several people say, oh, the burning. Yeah, I wouldn't definitely want to be in a lake of fire. That does not sound appealing to me. I'd rather be walking on the streets of gold by his grace and mercy and uh, and his perfection. I'd rather, much rather experience that for all eternity than to experience desperation that none of us have ever, we have, I, I, I know in my life, I've felt a, de a desperation in my life. But there's always that hope that something's going to change. That's a, that's a place of no hope. That eternal separation from God is a place for, is of zero hope. That's not something I ever want to experience or anybody that I see or know in my life to experience. That is an awful, awful existence. That rejection. And we have the choice. I, I've, 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 I've had conversations uh, with with people that I know that that uh, well, if he's a loving God, why would he? Why, why would hell even exist? And then you have to go through and explain to them. Well, we're given a choice. If we don't have a choice, is it? Are we following God's love, or are we just robots walking on this earth? We have a choice. We have the, uh, and then you can get into a lot of different discussions of uh, predestination and. Uh, you know, you, get, uh, you know, the, the Calvinist view on it is, hey, whoever selected, that's that's the person that, that can be saved. And then you got the Armenian Armenians that say, well, it's really up to you. Uh, and I love that uh, the, the way Will describes it here is I like being right in the middle, the whosoever, whosoever. I'll, I'll take the word of God over the opinion of man any day. Jesus Christ said whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life, whosoever. And there can, there can uh, you can't really argue with Jesus. So uh, while while people will uh, there will be an argument uh, and that that's great uh, that's uh, it's not great but uh, you know that that's going to continue of of who can be saved and and uh, you know predestination all those things the ultimate thing that we need to realize is what Jesus Christ said is whosoever 
So these guys are rejecting the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Verse 31 says, And the Lord said, To what shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned for you, we mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came, neither eating, drink, eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all her children. Jesus is saying, you don't know what you want. You're never content. You don't know if you want this or you want that. Uh, and uh, what you need to be satisfied. You're like the children that are that are crying out. You, got, you can't figure out what you want. You know, as John the Baptist, remember the question. You know, Jesus is asked a question, and Jesus didn't really feel like you know, giving an answer. I was listening to Chuck Smith um, I, throughout the week, and... and um, Listen uh, to this this morning, and uh, Jesus, uh, Chuck said, uh, Jesus didn't feel like giving him an answer that day, so he just responds with a question that that he knows they're not going to respond to, and he says, the baptism of John was that of God or was it uh, or is it of man? And they knew that they couldn't give a right answer. There was no way because if they said it was of man, then uh, the mob would go crazy over him. But if they said uh, that it's of God, then they'd have to acknowledge what John was preaching. So they, he just he puts them in that scenario, and he goes. You're not going to give me an answer. I'm not going to give you an answer. Just that that mindset that uh, that the Lord can use. I, I love the Lord's wisdom, and I love how he uh, how he will uh, confound the wise. And you know, there's so many things here that that we can learn, we can glean in our lives. Just having an understanding of who He is, and and the confusion that can be brought uh, on in rejecting Him in their lives. They had made. Uh, they had. Uh, it's a, it, like I said in uh, verse 30, it says, but they rejected the will of God for themselves. And it leaves them in a, in a weird spot in their lives. So they're, they're stuck in a spot where they're, they're not content. They don't know how to get uh, what they want in their life because they don't know how to figure out, okay, well, who's John and who's Jesus? Well, uh, well, well, he's got a demon and this guy's a wine bibber and friend of sinners. And, and Jesus is saying, you don't know what you want. There's a, that's, a, that's a bad place for them to be. Now I had I had some notes to finish out. You know what? We're going to. So we're going to try to because uh, I, I just yeah we're gonna we're gonna keep reading. Verse thirty six says. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the in the Pharisee's house, came in with an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at the at his feet. Behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee saw, the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, "This man, if he were a prophet, uh, would know who and what manner of woman this was who was touching him, for she is a sinner." So. Looking at the beginning of this, many believe that this was Mary Magdalene. Uh, some say that Mary of, of Bethany. We don't know, but it's a woman desperate, uh, desperate for the forgiveness of God in her life. We say that to be known as a sinner, she she had a uh, whether she was a prostitute, uh, whether she was just somebody of loose morals, uh, we don't know. It just says that this woman is known in the city as a sinner, the worst of the worst. She's coming. 
and he's and he sees what's happening here. She comes in with an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she comes and at Jesus's feet she stood there and she's she's behind him it says weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears. That's a lot of tears. That's a lot of tears. She's got a lot on her heart. She's got a lot on her mind. And all she can think to do when she knows that Jesus is there is just come in and cry at his feet. Just come to Jesus. That's the only way she knows how to how to how to minister, how to how to, how to uh, bless the Lord is to come in and cry at his feet and wipe her tears off his feet. That's that's a that's that's a heavy heart. That's a lot of tears. I mean, my goodness, the the mindset that we can have in our heart, we can have that Pharisaical mindset of that person right there. That yeah yeah that that one's never that that person can't. We've talked about this before. That person can't go into the presence of God. No way that person's ever going to be saved. No way. If God knew who that if this this guy here uh, is a prophet, he would have known. Uh, you don't want anything to do with her. And Jesus takes another time, time takes whatever he believes and flips it. I love it. He does that constantly in his ministry. Just saying, you think it's this, it's this. Wouldn't even, in verse 40 says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said to him, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. So this man is, uh, she is, she's overwhelmed by her own sinful state. This man's not aware of his own sinful state. So there's one that's br completely broken. And then the other one that's in his pride overlooking his own sin, saying, oh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm good enough to sit here and I, I have Jesus in my house. I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty important guy. I'm, this is me uh, making assumptions of this guy, but I'm a pretty important guy. I've got, I've got this guy in my house and we're eating. And his only mindset is, why is she even near to him? It's, he must not be a prophet. If he was, he wouldn't even let her, let her come. And her heart is, I just need to get there. I just need to get there and weep. You know, those mindsets, he, he's ignorant of his own sinful state, filled with pride. She's broken over her sin, absolutely broken. And the Lord goes on to teach him a lesson. And he, he uses the example of somebody who's unable to pay their own debt. We've talked about this a little bit before, uh, while we were in communion, and we've talked about it already a little bit. There is no, There was no way for, for the, the debt of sin to be paid. So Jesus is saying, if someone is forgiven uh, much and little, who's going to love more? And, and he just makes the answer of you know, the one who's forgiven more. Verse 44, then Jesus uh, says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. So as he's looking at the woman, he's talking to Simon. That's an amazing, I was, I was just reading this, just trying to uh, think about this. As he's looking at her, he's speaking to Simon. That's a, that's a neat, uh, neat uh, scenario to consider and to look at. So he's teaching this guy a lesson and not usually when, when we're teaching, my wife uh, has homeschooled the, the kids and, um, you know, I'll call and she's like, hey, we're working on this or that. And the kid's sitting there right there with them and uh, and teaching them. 
and uh, usually teaching is uh, you know where you're in front of somebody. And we were talking to you, an educator, and um, uh, usually teaching you're 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 facing the person that you're teaching. He's looking at the woman, and he he begins he begins to speak, and he's talking to Simon, but looking at her, he says, "Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet." But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of, of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she has loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. So there's a so he teaches him he's like you were you're a rude host. Now back in those days there would be a servant there to wash your feet when you came in because you've open-toed sandals walking on on dirt roads your feet are dirty. You know when you enter someone's house it's customary for them to care for you wash your feet or have a servant wash your feet they're going to provide for you a strong cup of of um, bitter coffee where you say I know you've experienced bitterness in your life and and, and then another cup of coffee that's that's more sweet, the sweetness of, of uh, the communion we have, where that, that bitterness is washed away, and now we're having that good communion with each other, that sweetness of being in communion together. Jesus is saying, you didn't greet me the way she had, and she, I mean, you didn't, you didn't wash my feet. You gave me no kiss. Now, in our culture here in America, a lot of guys aren't doing the Italian thing of grabbing each other, kissing each other on each cheek. It's a little weird in our culture, isn't it? I don't. Uh, I've never seen it here at this church, and I'm pretty sure we never will. I mean, Maine, we're about as as stoic as you get. And if I grab a hold of, you know, a fisherman or whatever, and I give him a kiss on each cheek, he is gonna probably. <laughs> I don't know what the response is gonna be, but it's not gonna be a normal response. You know, uh, you know, Mark, you're a fisherman. I don't. I don't greet you that way. I, you know, usually it's just a good handshake and how you doing. You know, here here in Maine, it's it's uh, that would be completely foreign, but. In their culture, it, it's uh, it's very much a warm greeting. It's a loving greeting. Uh, my wife and I lived in Italy for two years, and we had a lot to learn about Italian culture. Driving, um, there was a lot that we had to learn, and and uh, because uh, you know, standing in line, there's really no line. You need to pay for something at the hardware store. You just go up and throw your money and walk out. You know, and I'm standing in line, getting all offended, going, "What's going? I'm in line. You're supposed to get behind." And just learning those things, different cultures. Jesus is saying that you know you didn't you didn't give me that warm kiss of fellowship that that's customary in, in their uh, in their culture, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. Jesus is saying you were a bad host. This woman is of the right heart. She's been forgiven much, and she's responding as such. Then Jesus uh, once again is confronting the Pharisaical. Uh, mindset in verse 48 says your sins are forgiven and those that sat at the table with him began to say to themselves who is this who even forgives sins then jesus said to the woman so once again answers the questions within their hearts he looks at her and says your faith has saved you go in peace she came seeking to be forgiven not even able to speak we don't have record of this word this woman speaking a word but in her desperation the actions that she showed just cried out for the forgiveness and the washing that she required in her life. These guys are asking questions in their hearts twice. Oh, if this, if he, if he was a prophet, he'd know. 
Or who's this guy saying that he can forgive sins? How many times have we already seen Jesus saying, hey, because, so that you know, you know, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or, or, or to get up and walk? And he says, so that you know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, and he looks at the man that's crippled, get up and walk and go to your home. And he does and blows their mind. That pharisaical, prideful heart, uh, that, that type of heart can creep up in us. It's important for us to remember who we are and that we've been washed, we've been cleansed. Oh, I, I love the heart of the Lord. So willing to heal a broken heart, to restore somebody that has just been through the ringer. This world will eat us alive. It will. The, 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 the penalty of sin here in this earth and after are not worth it. They're just not. Sin's fun for a while till it takes over our lives. We talked about that last week. But then it brings you to utter desperation where you can't even speak, but all you can do is get at the feet of Jesus and cry at his feet. And she's wiping the, the tears away with her hair. That's, that is a profound, uh, just, it's so profound just to think of, of uh, how hurt this woman was and, and how desperate she was. Didn't even have to speak a word, but Jesus just looks right at her, knows the need in her heart, and says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We already talked about by grace we are saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Because we can't do enough works to be saved. Thankful, I'm so thankful to the Lord that, that we can't be saved by our works. Our works, we should have faith. Faith comes, uh, faith uh, should be an action. Look, go in and look into, into James where we learn that our faith should be uh, uh, working. Our faith should be working. What has happened inwardly should be coming out outwardly. But we are saved by the grace and power of the Lord and uh, his mercy. So as we, uh, as we close, what we've been able to look at is, is where John the Baptist was and that the Lord ministered to him, not saying, hey, yeah, yeah, the kingdom's got, yeah, we'll be right there. You know, just hold on a second. We'll come in and we'll break you out and we're going to go. Jesus goes and reminds him that he came to seek and save that which was lost the first time. He is coming back. We know that from the scripture. We don't know exactly when. But wow, when you look at it and you start comparing things to what we're going through in this world, I was thinking, uh, I said, as we're closing, um, you, know, I, you know, you read in Revelation of the two witnesses killed and how does the world see them? How could everybody in the world see them? Look at, look at what we have for technology now. My, my kids are always coming out, hey, dad, look at this. And they show me a funny clip or whatever. We, everything, the whole world is, is broadcast right now. You look back in, in Daniel where it says the end times. Many will travel to and fro. Knowledge will increase. Those things. We don't know exactly when, but when you look at the scripture, we, we just can look at it and go, it doesn't look like it can be long. We don't know. But we have a loving Savior that's, uh, that's so willing that, that he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance so that we might be able to share a message like this with the lost. Even, we are in the last days. We just don't know if those last days are another thousand years from now or, you know, it could be tomorrow. We don't know. We're just called to seek the Lord and to follow him as though today was the last day. Important for us. There's a lot. Go back and read this. Study it yourself. I mean, go back and look, and you're going to find your own uh, nuggets of things that the Lord's going to bless you with. But in in our reading here, we just it's another glimpse of who God is and a reminder of our hearts. Our hearts can be so hard, but that he's, he's so willing to work with us and, 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 and to be patient with us 
and, and to forgive us. If anyone here doesn't know the Lord, come talk to me afterward, please, and we'll talk about it. I mean, it's as simple as just coming to the Lord and, and, and praying to him and asking him to come into our lives. That's it. Don't leave today. If somebody came with somebody or whatever, then, uh, then get right with the Lord. You know, if, if you have you are somebody that has been walking with the Lord and you know something that needs to uh, needs to go, go to Him and say, Lord, I, I don't want I I, I don't want to uh, you know reject Your will for my life like the Pharisees did. I want to walk with You. He's going He's going to honor that. We just come to Him. Let's pray, Father. We thank You so much for Your loving heart. We thank You, Lord, for another scripture account that we can read of just learning more about you, learning more about our own hearts, learning more about our own minds and how we process things, Lord, and that your ways are so much higher than ours. So blessed to know that, that you are in control. Even then, we may, we may be questioning you know, what's going on in our lives, whatever it is, Lord, or we may just be brokenhearted and need to come to you. Or no loved ones that need to, Lord, that we can share this with. Whatever it is, Father, we pray that you would help us to retain what we have here today, what we've, what we've discussed and what we've read. And, Lord, that you would uh, minister to our hearts and through our lives, Lord, by using these, you so will. Guide us by your Holy Spirit. We need you, Jesus. Please be with us. Keep us. We thank you, Lord, uh, for this time, and we pray you bless our week as we move forward into it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.